Hello and welcome to Exiting Through the 2010s, a podcast about the movies from the 2010s. I'm Jack Draper. With me is Chloe Williams, haunted by your unbeknownst dead wife. You mean dead husband? Oh, I oh I see. Okay, yeah, no, yeah, I see I've what just, you're saying. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. All right, there, there, all right. Thanks, I appreciate it. Um, yeah. Hey, man. I you know, living under an occupation isn't uh fun. Yeah. So I guess mm-hmm. that's that, that's my big takeaway. That was my mm-hmm. big takeaway from the film. Is uh, yes, not does not look like a fun time. Looks, but uh, a movie stressful. you love nonetheless. Holy shit! I I literally just finished watching it. Um, right before we started recording and like mere minutes ago and i'm like my heart feels fucking like crushed and i've this mm-hmm. is a rewatch but yeah. it really did feel like i was watching it for the first time again but we'll get more into that um as we go along but that's cool that it feels like the first time like you know it's i think because it's been so long for me also like some of the details were lost in in this one yeah um, yeah i did remember exactly i i I, or I forgot a little bit of the how it exactly ended um mm-hmm. but it's also he's such an effectively emotional filmmaker that it's like you still feel like you just it really does feel like right now i got i just someone just took a hammer to my chest like i like feel like i'm out of breath in a way um because yeah, man, Petzl, he just has yeah. the fucking stuff. I don't know. He's so he's it. so beguiling. He has the juice. Um. Anyhow, Izzy from the YouTube channel Be Kind Rewind is here with us today. What's up? Hi. Hey. hey. <laughs> thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, thank you for being here. Um, today you brought to us Christian Petzl's Transit. Um, but before we get into that, let's get into what we've been watching recently. Um. Full transparency, it has been one whole day since Glenn and I have seen each other. Um, but <laughs> why don't we, uh, you know, anyone who would like to talk I have about actually seen things. a movie okay. after we started. Yeah, all oh, right. Okay. There you go. Me, so, so have I. Uh, okay, so we got we got things <laughs> right. we watched. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> well, I caught the latest episode of The Last of Us, um, which is good. Uh, mm. Good show. I like it I should quite start, a bit. I should start that. Yeah, I haven't seen it yeah, either. I know. I like Ellen Ramsey a lot. It's, she is. Yeah. I don't know. Man. I see. I sometimes. Did you see Catherine called the... Birdie by chance? She was so good no. in that. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've seen her in Game of Thrones. <laughs> that's. I mean, that's where she got her big break. Um. Was okay. Uh. Like the last season. Of I Game did. Of Thrones. Did not know that. Um. Yeah. People. I don't know. I, when it's an appointment television show like that, I like to look for the takes because I don't know. I like to be in the conversation. Um, even if it's like people I don't follow and like, I'll see, I've, you know, I've seen some pushback on their performances. Um, you know, it's minority or whatever, but I, I don't know. I, I think they're pretty incredible. Um, Pascal included. Um, I really like the show. It's not the most subtle thing in the world, but it's just really solid filmmaking, emotional storytelling and mm-hmm. really good acting. So, yeah. Um, I like Chernobyl the movie too. It's, yeah. yeah I, I loved, I, I really loved Chernobyl, Chernobyl, uh, Chernobyl. <laughs> um yeah craig mazin is a little bit of a dork but it's fine um i watched scott atkins accident man hitman's holiday last night it's the sequel to the 2018 film uh scott atkins if people don't know is uh typically a you know direct to direct to video action movie star um who has gotten a cult following by people who are passionate about the genre and you know direct-to-video action movies in general 
he's going to be the new John Wick wearing a fat suit. And that's a whole other thing that we, I don't know if we'll ever talk about, but <laughs> it's a thing that's happening. Um, He's great. He's one of the best action stars we have, even though like, and you could argue if that term doesn't even exist anymore mm. Um, with just, you know, it seems the as though with the, community, with the community that appreciates him, he's the best that we have. Like, all it, uh, all, uh, what in the West? Yes, yeah, in the West. Like, I don't yes, want to say yes. overall. Yes, I mean, yes, we yes, still have yes. like people like Donnie Yen living, yes. and so yeah. But in the West, for sure, mm-hmm. um, he is just the best one. Uh, it's really funny. It's really charming. I mean, it's you know low budget, but the fight scenes are great. It um, looks pretty decent. It's all staged really well. It's easily trackable. I mean, that's most of the movies he does. It's all staged and blocked really well. Um, any with any fight uh, fight set piece. Um, and they're all short. He's never really in a long one. They're like hour and 30 minutes. Some of them are pretty decent. Some of them are pretty mediocre. And this one was pretty good. Um, better than the original. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of it's just very goofy and kind of Guy Ritchie-esque, but little but way less um less quality in its filmmaking approach. But um still really solid, uh, super easy to watch. And um, yeah, I've just been watching a lot of action movies this year in general. We're talking, I kind of talked about that before. We started recording and I've delved pretty deep into the direct video action genre. Um, And it's held some really nice surprises. And then it's also been like, oh yeah, no, that's just shit. That's just a bad move. That's like, that's fine. Like that's just garbage, but yeah, it's whatever. Um, This is pretty good. That's it. That's my take. Mm -hmm. Nice. Where can everyone stream? Where's the streaming? Hulu. Hulu um, just came on, uh, came out la- uh, last year, 2022. Yeah. You have no idea how much I wanted to be Hoopla. <laughs> it might legitimate. Wait, let me see. All right. You go into while you see. Um, yeah. Izzy, would you like to? Sure. Like to yeah. Um, yeah. Today I watched West Front 1918, which is um, GW Pap's first sound film. And the reason that I watched it is because I'm working on a video about All Quiet on the Western Front. And this is essentially the same movie, but released six months earlier. Um, And I think it has a very different tone from All Quiet on the Western Front. So it's very um, pessimistic and I think much more obviously steeped in the tradition of German expressionism obviously, because uh, it was made in <laughs> Berlin by Pabst. Right, um, right. Uh, but yes, it's a very, very harrowing, strange film um, with very complex sound design. I was actually very surprised. Like, I think the sound design is far superior to All Quiet on the Western Fronts. And in some ways, I think it is better than All Quiet on the Western Front, um, not in terms of the battle scenes. Um, it's much less sentimental, but... Uh, yeah, it's been really, it was interesting to think about these two films coming out so close in proximity and sort of being received in very different ways um, by the German people. So yeah, that's streaming on HBO Max and Criterion Channel, and you can also find it for free on archive.org if you don't have either of those. So pretty that's good. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. When, when have you, when, when, how long have you been working on this um, video that you're going to do? like um i would say like close to two weeks okay 
So before the BAFTA win, obviously. Yes, 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 yes. I'm like much closer to being done with it than I am uh, starting Mm -hmm. it. (laughs) But I wish I had done it earlier so that I could have like snagged some of that traffic that happened last (laughs) night, I'm sure. Finger on the pulse. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's a good thing that it's like you started working on on it, um, at least from my estimation, like after the Oscar nominations. So it's like, oh, yeah, I totally knew that I was going to score Best Picture, right? Yeah, exactly. I totally saw that coming. Yeah. No, I was was surprised that it, A, won the BAFTA, but then B, got as many Oscar nominations as it did because no one I knew was talking about it or really had even seen it besides myself. Um, So, yeah, kind of a an interesting surprise but i hope that the video can kind of um add some context where people might be seeking that with that definitely and like the original is very good and i i saw it a few years ago and um you know it, it's funny like we covered the movie scent of soul <laughs> a few mm-hmm. months ago do you remember when yeah. we did that um and i'll choir and Lester front just came or like i think it just came out on netflix and we were kind of like oh yeah you know the people saw it tiff it's like kind of a shrug like it's well made but then like it's like yeah like the crafts people really respond to it and it's like to me it was reading as less surprising that the baftas liked it but it was reading as more surprising that the academy liked it like it seemed like it was on like its home turf in that way um but yeah. i mean it was, it was crazy to think how close edward Berger is was to like best director um do you want do you want to hear my conspiracy yeah. theory of why that movie has gotten so many noms. Shoot. Go for well, it. Well, because ne- also Netflix doesn't really have like another that's Well, that was, thing my, that to- was my conspiracy oh. theory. Oh, <laughs> um, oh that's because, funny. Yeah. Oh. because they, they have been so active in every single Oscars. Yeah. Like last year, Power of the Dog got the most nominations. Year before mm-hmm. that. Like they've consistently, one of their movies has consistently gotten the most nominations out of any movie at the Academy Awards. Now, winning wise, it's a different story. Exactly. Um, but in the last four years, they've just been completely dominant and mm-hmm. they had nothing else besides they blonde and they, nothing, they abandoned, nothing took off. Um, yeah. They, they abandoned, abandoned Bardo. Yeah. Right. Bardo kind of flopped. So they mm-hmm. were, they it only got the cinematography. Else. Yeah. It's crazy. And they abbandoned blonde uh, almost immediately. <laughs> in the, mo- well, in the that, moment, like Andrew Dominic started talking. Um, well, it's crazy. Cause <laughs> Ananta Armis got in as like a, like a courageous turn. Like she's, but they didn't have like to. They didn't place, have to spend but... a dime on that. They didn't. No, have to true, do true. No, you're you're right. Um, so they just probably threw the entire marketing budget yeah. for a, or their awards budget on All Quiet on the Western Front. Now that doesn't necessarily explain how it won the fucking BAFTAs, but that was that was when it got nominated. That's what was my assumption. But now Definitely. since it's won, I guess people actually like the fucking thing. Mm-hmm. I haven't um, seen it to be clear. Yeah, that's the only it's the only nominee I haven't seen. I should do that soon. Um and uh yeah, and also white noise. Like that just kind of Oh yeah, that flopped. Went nowhere yeah, also. they had a bad yeah. year, huh? That's yeah, definitely. Um for me, I will I'll mention The Sweet Hereafter, the Adam McGoyan movie. Um, you know, painful watch that's that's pretty that's pretty like hopeful, I think that that carries through the the movie itself and also the performances that feel so like lived in and deeply felt um it for those that don't know it's about um a terrible bus accident that happened that that killed many canadians um 
it takes place in Canada. I don't know why I phrase it like that. And it, it's then about the aftermath about an attorney that's investigating the crash. If it's really an accident or did something interfere with the bus played by Ian Holm, who's very good. Um, Sarah Polly plays the teacher who's involved in the crash and it's investigating her personal life. Um, it's uh, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's very well known, I guess, but it's just, I, I it's always been like on my watch list and uh, we only recently covered um, uh, uh, take this waltz and the, yeah, we covered it literally yesterday. It, it, yes. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I was just about to say. And um, in, before we recorded that one, I was, listening to Sarah Polly on uh, WTF and did they, they mention a lot about uh, the sweet hereafter. And I, and I remembered like, Oh, I should check that one out. And hard so depressing is, well, you know, it's like, it's so cool. Cause it's like, yeah, it, it, it's like so devastating, but there's this, you can feel the sense of community with all these characters. And I think that that's what really elevates it from just being like, tragedy core um, right that it could feel really heavy but i think everyone is sort of like trying to connect with each other through nothing after this unspeakable devastation um and that's what's funny because like, i was just shit talking canadians the entire episode last <laughs> yesterday right so right that's yeah a, that's it was a funny combination it was <laughs> It, again, if we have anyone from Canada listening, that was all a joke. Stop. Should, that was all a joke. Stop listening. Um, <laughs> Unplug your headphones now. No, no I'm Unfo- Unfollow. Right. The reason I give Canadians uh-huh. so much shit is because they have, they don't get in enough of it. They need to get some shit. There needs to be some shit given to every person. So they I, deserve some. Listen, <laughs> we all know. I think you know this. We know this. Like, if you give them shit, they're just going to like internalize it and sort of like yeah, they'll apologize yes, yeah they'll apologize to you yes it's not going to work like you think it's just gonna be like i'm so sorry like they, that's, that's gonna, and that's gonna the point that's why it's so unsatisfying that's why i have to keep doing it until i sure, get that reaction sure. i want you need like the until i'm barred from you might need to just like us, yeah you might need to like insult an irish person or an australian person Oh, I've done. I've, I've given the Irish plenty of shit. <laughs> or don't an English worry, person. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. most of the most of the English speaking world, like except for Canada, actually, I think will respond the way you want them to. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I, uh... And uh, but and uh, this episode will be out by the time this one is out. But um, in our Scott Pilgrim versus the, versus the World episode, we had an entire tour through the Toronto filming locations, and you showed no more a Canada. lot of restraint. No more. Yeah. No. Uh, it, no more. I'm, I'm sick of the place. No, we just Toronto, Toronto, Toronto. <laughs> or actually, is it Toronto? That's it. You don't pronounce the last yeah, T. Toronto. Right. Yeah, Toronto. Yeah. Reference to importance yesterday. Yeah. I'm on one. I don't have to tell you. <laughs> you should just move there and make a bets. I'm close. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Just uh, it's just up north. Just up north. I think so. I think that's the yeah, direction. Um, let's move into like how Izzy gone to movies. What are the movies that made you fall in love with movies? I think we were just a big TCM <laughs> house. I mean, um, actually, I mean, actually, like the the very first movie that I ever allegedly loved. I don't remember this, but I did this apparently is um, Beauty and the Beast, and I would like watch the VHS, and then like it would finish, and I would take it out and rewind it, and then watch it again. I was very obsessed with it. I have no recollection of this whatsoever, but I was. The 2017 one, 
Yes, when right. I was a yeah. child in 2017. You are five, right? That's, that, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's what I'm getting from this. Um, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, yeah, um, it was that. And then what can I, I just I have very fond memories of things like Sound of Music, um, Mary Poppins. Wow, all the good um, shit. Mm. Yeah, you know, like I think a lot of the typical stuff. And then when I started getting older, or like in high school, I started getting more into classic film because I was big on TCM. So I would watch mm-hmm. like, um, I think it's when I, I probably saw whatever happened to baby Jane when I was bef- before high school, but that was a big one. I remember being like, can we rent that from the library? <laughs> the one <laughs> I just saw it, but I want to rent it again. Like all that kind of stuff. Um, what was the first genre that drew you into classic film? Was it musicals? Was it um, like comedies? That's a good question. Probably musicals. Um, my mom's a big musical theater person. So is my mm. sister. So we had a lot of the um, like soundtracks playing a lot. Like I, one of the first CDs I ever remember listening to was Barbara Streisand's like back to Broadway CD. <laughs> um, so yes, like all of those kinds of movies, like the Judy Garland movies, all that kind of stuff um, were I think on rotation pretty often. Um and then for myself, I think film noir was pretty big for me. Yeah. As I got mm-hmm. older. Um, let's know now. I don't I don't mind it now, but it's not like that's my shit. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I guess that's that's probably it. <laughs> and plus noir when, is like when, a great formative point where it's like, well, I didn't know movies could look like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's just I think it's good for when you're like getting a little older and you're like being angsty and stuff but you kind of want to be like, you're becoming an adult and you're like, I want to be glamorous and like angsty. And then you put on a film noir and you're like, I am. (laughs) Film noirs was the thing that got me into like classic films. That's where, because that, you know, I had like, it was Hitchcock. And then, then I got into like Bogart and like Sunset Mm -hmm. Boulevard and Maltese Falcon and stuff. That was, that was like tipping point because I was always Mm -hmm. hesitant. Um, so, uh, but when do you think you started transitioning into like modern film since you grew up on TCM when, like, cause what was that inflection point? Because it's, you know, it's a pretty stark difference. Um, I weirdly in fifth grade, I was in fifth grade when Moulin Rouge came out and I saw that movie mm-hmm. for some reason. I have no idea why I was allowed to see Moulin Rouge in fifth grade, That's cool. <laughs> but I saw it and I became like obsessed <laughs> with Nicole Kidman. And so every fifth grader should be, of course, like taste. (laughs) Um, And so I uh, was at that point, like very invested in her future. And so I like became, um, I paid a lot of attention to like the Oscars that year. And then Mm. the following year with um, the hours. And then that's Mm. when Chicago came out and I became obsessed Mm -hmm. with Chicago. That was like, Uh, oh, that's cool. I can see the through line yeah exactly I was like a child being like I love these nightclubs <laughs> um but um and that Oscar ceremony I always loved how Denzel reads her win by a nose Nicole Kidman like you know it's yeah like, exactly you know, the, yeah. so those were yeah. I think when yeah. I just started paying attention and being at that point I was like oh I want to be a director I mean I abandoned that pretty quickly but that was like right. the dream for a hot second um and uh, yeah. So that's when I just started paying attention to things that were coming out and like uh, what people were saying about new films and things like that. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah. And I, how did, and oh, go ahead. No, I also thought like 
it's cool that you mentioned what happened to baby Jane because I think that is also a good extension point from when you started with um Mary Poppins and Sound of Music because that's like of a similar era even if it is a little darker Mm. um but there's also a mellow a melodrama aspect to it I think that those other musicals have yeah that makes sense Yeah. yeah for sure how did you get into like video essays and like how like the origin of your channel um so I um was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life like after college I had just kind of been Mm. working in tech and it was awful and I did not enjoy it whatsoever um and so I was theater tech no like like tech like apps (laughs) okay yeah yeah yeah. okay um and so I um I actually moved to, to Germany to work on an app and I was um I so I had a lot of time to myself because I was essentially like I didn't really know that many people there and so I was mm-hmm. like oh I'm gonna spend like a lot of time working on or just revisiting a lot of classic films because I could just like pirate them and <laughs> watch as many as I want um so I decided like okay well I'm gonna like learn this city through like Marlena Dietrich um and that was a really good way to like you know, this is like the area where she was, or like, this is like named after her. And then you could go to the place and like, you know, just experience the city in different ways. Um, They have a film museum there that has a lot of her um, like costumes and items from her life and things like that. And so I went there and it was the first time I kind of realized like, Hey, you can be a film fan and like have a job. Like <laughs> there are people right. who, who like, whose responsibility it is to kind of look after these things and tell these stories. And I was like, I want to do whatever I can to get into that. I thought like, okay, maybe I could work at a film festival or a museum or whatever to make that happen. Um, And so I was like, okay, well, what skills have I learned in tech that I can um, utilize in that kind of job? And I figured it was like video making and like advertising or content mark or scheduling and programming, things like that. So I was like, I'm just going to make a channel to like demonstrate a lot of the skills that I have. Like if it's research or, um, telling a story or, um, whatever that might be. So it was really just, I made the channel as like something to talk about in interviews with like potential employees or employers. Mm -hmm. Um, so I never expected it to go anywhere. And I did end up getting a job at a museum, which was like exactly what I had intended it to do, which is amazing. Um, but it kind of like be, had a life of its own. So um, now I'm just doing this and it's very cool. And I feel extremely thankful that um, <laughs> people have responded the way it is. Cause it really is like a dream to just talk about these things and not have to be working in tech still. <laughs> <laughs> After all is said, you're not working in tech and that's for exactly. the, you know, it's like the dream, <laughs> the dream, the dream is video essays and museum work. How did you get into video editing? I always find that so interesting because that's always been any time of like, oh, I have an idea of a video essay or whatever. I've always just been like, fuck, that shit looks hard. Um, <laughs> no, it's it really a lot is easier impre- than you think. It's impressive. It's lot, yeah. Um, it's a lot easier than you think. I had um, Windows Movie Maker in high school. So like I would make little videos and stuff in high school on that um 
And then what did I learn? I learned iMovie to make like my first video. Um, and then after that, I was like, I need a better software because this sucks. And so I just downloaded um, Premiere Pro and have, I just like take tutorials and stuff on YouTube. It's mm. um, people give you a ton of information for free and they make it really easy. Um, and it's a pretty intuitive program. I mean, I have some, my gripes with it, obviously, because everyone does, but um, yeah. So I've just taught myself everything and it's been pretty, pretty easy. I think to just kind of mm-hmm. go at it that way. Yeah. I feel like something like video editing is rewarding for those who are um, independent learners and just, you know, you do have your YouTube tutorials, but it's also just like testing out what will work best for that certain um, technique in, yeah. in how you, you want your videos uh, constructed. It's, also, it's like, it's, it's not like I'm editing like a film either. Yeah. <laughs> it's truly yeah, yeah. just like it, dragging footage and like putting some audio under it. It's your voiceover. Not bad. Yeah. 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 So um, it's not too bad, but and your videos can range favorite. from, from like 20 to 50 minutes where it's like not that bad. It's just like, you know, yeah. That's my favorite more. part of the process, honestly, because it's very cut and dry. It's, uh, like, yeah, <laughs> it's very, I know exactly what I need to do. And it's just like slowly chipping away at something versus I'm writing is a very complicated process. Um, definitely. So, like it, it, editing this is definitely one of my favorite parts too. Cause it's like, as we're going live, like I'll like mentally think like, what I want to take out and then like it's so sad satisfying when it is taken out and it's like I can breathe now because it's I I just it 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 just fits better for me and I think it's going to fit better for anyone who checks it out in the future um Mm -hmm. papier s'il vous plaît Die machen Paris zu. Ich werde mich einschiffen. Du kannst die zwei Briefe für mich abgeben. Papa, kommt vous Sind für den Beidel. Du kennst ihn doch. Beidel, der Schriftsteller. Ich mache drauf fest, das L'écrivain Oui. Die beiden Visa, die Schiffspassagen. Bis zur Abfahrt ihres Schiffes sind nur noch drei Wochen. Ich suche meinen Mann. Weil er mein Visum hat. Ich komme ohne ihn hier nicht mehr weg. Déjà vu commencer. Ils sont en train de ratisser tout le quartier. Ils me parlent même. Vos papiers et le titre de séjour. Mann und 
Frage noch. Was war das Letzte, das Sie geschrieben haben? Wer bist du? When did everyone see Christian Petzold's transit for the first time? I'm just curious. Random question. Fielding it out. Hmm. Not, not related at all. To not really. Unrelated. Yeah. Unrelated. Yeah. <laughs> um, I saw it on a plane. I watched it. Um, Interesting. Oh man, it would have been so cool if you said train. That would have been perfect. I know, I know. I saw it on a on a plane to Brazil in 2019 in December. So I was um Mm -hmm. it was like around Christmas. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't it's it's exactly how you were talking about it earlier, Clay. I was kind of like, oh my God. And I was just sitting on this plane like by myself, knowing like I was the only person experiencing like all of these emotions. It was crazy. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, it just bowled me over and it has since I think become one of my favorite films. So yeah, good. Was that your first pencil movie. or did you see Phoenix beforehand? Um, I saw Phoenix beforehand, but that was the only other pencil I'd seen at that point. But since mm-hmm. then, I think I've seen everything that's available <laughs> to right. see. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't, I also saw it in um, 2019 when it came out, at least in the U S but I think had festivals in uh um 2018 and um yeah i i have i always mean to see barbara i know that one's very good but i had only seen phoenix who's before barbara? this oh it's another petzel no no i, I oh, said oh. who's barbara oh, oh my god, god. Oh, jesus <laughs> um maybe paula beer i don't know um and then no th- yeah this one's this one's great it's um it's unlike any other like like it's it's so formally interesting and um and, and he's so, he's so good with the, he's such an actor's director. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw this as well in 2020, um or January 5th, 2020 to be exact. Mm-hmm. I saw um Phoenix a few months beforehand in like November of 2019. I don't know if that was on purpose. Like oh, I heard tra- heard about transit or whatever. I feel like it maybe it was on a whim, um, but. I watched Phoenix and that fucking broke me. And we'll obviously talk about that at some future point. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, that's an incredible movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually also saw Phoenix on a whim. I saw it on movie because it was, so it's movie, movie of the mm-hmm. day. And I didn't know what it was. Wow. <laughs> and King, King Petzl. <laughs> love. I mean, and I saw Undune, um, I know I don't I've never figured out I, I first called it undying because I'm a fucking American idiot and then someone was like you think it's called undying and I'm like no I don't think that you're obviously gonna say the right title in a few seconds and whatever you say that is what I think um I think it's undine um but I might be butchering yeah. that so oh, I, I saw that. that literally like like you know in 2021 or whatever so it's mm-hmm. like three years of pet sold um in my belt uh mm-hmm. for those three movies i have not seen any of his other stuff i want to see obviously and his new one um i had no one seen yet but that looks fun that looks yeah great. it's gonna be a, a berlin uh a phoenix a, fear, a fire yeah Fe- phoenix was fucking one of the more shocking movies i've ever seen as in like i just was completely mouth 
you know, agape jaw on the floor, just fucking holy shit. Um, I mean, that ending is crazy. Yeah. Sometimes speak low will like come on my Spotify or something and I'll just stop and be like, no, I don't have time for that right now. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not ready. Yeah. (laughs) It's too much. It's too much. I need to prepare myself. Yeah. And when I saw Transit, I don't know. I think I knew some of the context based off of book. It is like a modern retelling of Nazi, like of like you know uh, the Nazi occupation of France, um, in a way that I didn't really know what I was. I don't know what I was expecting. I think I was still, as it was going on, I was still kind of put off by it because I've never seen anything like that before. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know how many examples there is of like you know. Uh, fucking 60 year difference in translation um with the text being explicitly taking place 60 years of what the setting is um but it was still like on just on a visceral and emotional level destroyed me that use of time is was super challenging to me and super fascinating um something that you know like in it's been a while since i've seen phoenix that 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 doesn't have like a that's not like takes place in modern day, right? No. That's like yeah, CIA. it's like very explicitly yeah, right, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah. Um, but it's also, but it's also interesting that we bring up Phoenix so much because that Barbara and this all take place in this trilogy that Petzl refers to of love in times of oppressive systems, which sounds like a great time. Um, <laughs> and it's interesting. Where, 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 what's well, the setting of Barbara? She's in East um, Germany. East. Um. I mean, I think like, I, I think all of his films are kind of about oppression in some sense. Like if I'm thinking about Yella or Jericho, these films that kind of are also about how like women can be oppressed by the men in their lives. Um, and I guess all Phoenix is also that too. But um, I think it's so interesting. Like, <laughs> one of my favorite things about Christian Petzold is that he loves adapting things, but like only so much, like almost all of his films are adapted from something else. Um, Mm -hmm. But he takes a lot of liberties with it. So it's like um, a completely different time and place. Maybe some plot elements are there. Maybe some aren't Um, or he'll, you know, completely change the ending of something. So you're, I think I like that he's always kind of like keeping you on your toes. So nothing feels too repetitive, but it always um, is kind of rendered in a way that feels very modern and very interesting. Like he pulls the best things from each story to kind of replicate those things instead of just being like, yeah, we're doing the postman rings twice again. Like, mm. um, cause that's kind of what Jericho is. Yeah. But um, yeah. So that's kind of one of the things that I love about him. He's so good. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because like this movie has time playing as it's like secret weapon. And of course, like that goes to show like it's um, creative liberty when, when adapting transit. Um, Like one thing that he tried to keep in mind was the use of technology. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, like it's ambiguous with its, um, with its setting, but um this movie was dedicated to um, his collaborator, Haran Faraki, and he was talking about that. Well, he, he cited the year 2010 
if technology would feel as dated as it does in the noirs from like the 50s and that's kind of an interesting subject where it's like it wouldn't it would feel like more timeless if like you go even older into like like a like a phone if you were to like in 2010 I think that's kind of interesting too where it's like yeah it does make a difference in in that kind of like helplessness I guess it also kind of like helps the conceit of the adaptation to say like okay yes this is we're adapting it in a way that you can kind of see all of these modern um appliances or like transportation systems or whatever but if you see a phone it kind of like changes the logic of the original novel like obviously they weren't they didn't have a phones in their back pocket they couldn't google where the embassy was or whatever so it's sort of like um you kind of have to be very careful about the technology that you include so -hmm. that you can kind of preserve the like patience that is required of that novel um and like truly what it means to be waiting in line and what it means to be stuck somewhere and like not have entertainment um at your fingertips so um yeah I think it was a masterful move to leave phones out of this movie yeah definitely and like there's this level of like like purgatory in between us that um Marie and George like find themselves in and it's like that's that's like an interesting phase where it's like you don't I don't think this is a it's an it feels like an unexplored territory when they keep on crossing paths and like I just I love the way that that cafe is framed where it's like it kind of feels like he's coming in and out of this moment in time um Mm -hmm. just like waiting for her yeah absolutely I think the narration is also kind of what makes the film I was gonna bring up the narration yeah yeah um... I completely forgot about it it for some reason I had no recollection of it being narrated and I haven't in this movie like I remember a lot of things about movies I've seen in like way, um, you know, in a way longer sp- period of time. This was like three years ago since I've seen this. And I like, I didn't remember really the ending that well. And I had no recollection of a, a narration. Obviously when it started popping up, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. That's right. But it just, was, it like took me by surprise. I was like shocked. Um, mm-hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think any other Petzl movies have narration. This was like a, a new, uh, I, I can't don't think, of one. think so. I mean, there might be like a voiceover or two in like certain sections, but nothing consistent. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I think I remember Undine like having like maybe a moment of just like some a character talking over just like other sh- scenes, but maybe mm-hmm. I'm wrong. Yeah. But I think, I mean, it's just so beautifully written and it's so poetic. You know, every time people read a book and then they see a movie that I think the instinct is always like the book was better you know people it's like a trope at this point to mm-hmm. say that and that's why like, I don't read books <laughs> but the reason I think that is said so often is because you get insights into a character's psyche that are very difficult to translate um in film like you kind of have to do a lot of the work as an audience member to be like oh this is what he's thinking about this is how he feels whatever versus like just literally being told what's happening um, and this kind of like fills in a lot of that gap, but it doesn't do it in a way that I think feels um, too, like it doesn't feel condescending in a way that that mm-hmm. could feel in a way that I think a lot of narration sometimes feels. Um, it feels like you're being taken on a journey and like they want to relay 
the emotion of this moment um, mm-hmm. in a very like mature and thoughtful way. Yeah, like, yeah, like it, ne- it never feels like watered down. Mm-hmm. Um, like it so easily could have been, or like a, I'm sure like a version that we that we're all imagining if like the narration was mishandled by someone that is a less intelligent filmmaker. Um, and Christian Petzl even describes the narration as coming from another character or like a presence, which mm-hmm. like you would never think to interpret it that way. But it's like, I guess there is this like knowing quality to, um, yeah, it's a strange narration because like you wouldn't think that a passerby or like a stranger or like your barista would have that much insight right. into what's going right. on in your mind. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of it's sort of mystical in that way as well. Like and it's, it's also much more of a literary thing. You don't really yeah. see that mm-hmm. in movies. It is it's novelistic. Not, yeah. Yeah. Right. Um and I don't know if that's a direct adaptation. Like I don't know if the novel is actually yeah. you know from the bartender's point of view. Yeah. Um yeah. Again, I don't read so. um but yeah it's and the thing i I like how you point out that it's not condescending because what it's it's function is so much more of it's adding detail it's not telling you what the story is you don't it's not like telling you all right here are the plot points it is like adding detail and context and texture to the characters and the world itself um it's giving you insight rather than just repeating what you're seeing on screen mm-hmm. um and or I it'll think... like specifically tell you a detail that it wants you to notice it's like a hand right. moves in a certain way so it's sort of like reinforcing like these emotional notes that they want you to hit which is really i think very nice what also incorporates i think mean, as like films in general it they are very like they feel like Undine is like a Greek tragedy in a way. It's, you know, um, mm-hmm. obviously it has like connections. It's like, you know, kind of storybook in a way. Um, it's, his movies are very much feel in like, you know, of connection to literature, like literature. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all, you know, in both, all three of the films I've seen are, you know, they're really melodramatic. I mean, they're melodramatic settings mm-hmm. of, um, like, in situations. I mean, it's not like, well, some of it is, like, surreal. Um, uh, I mean, a lot of it in, uh, especially Undine, which is, like, a ending is, like, pure surrealism. Um, it is, though, just understanding that idea of how much texture and detail and insight even with the films without the narration is important to him um there's so th- there's there's so much more like when i think of phoenix i don't necessarily think of plot points i think of character and emotion but i also think of the actual texture of the world around them and mm-hmm. those the quiet moments which he does so well um because it's never he's never flashy which is super crazy because all of these movies would be like we did um, like Jack mentioned earlier, we did um, son of Saul. And obviously there's a lot of, there's a lot of crazy key differences. These are not similar movies in any sense, but it is, that movie is very 
flashy, in my opinion, um, especially in its approach to filmmaking and how it wants to operate the camera. Um, obviously, it's an artistic choice, and I'm not taking that. I'm not taking that away from it, but it is the subtlety is not there. And you know, you could argue that there's no there's no use for subtlety in a movie like that. But his movies are very melodramatic, and but also have this insane subtlety to um, character and also I, um, emotionality. I was gonna ask, like, what what makes we all have an idea what makes a Christian Petzl movie, but there aren't things that are immediate like visible choices um he makes good movies you know it's just but it's like it's interesting where it's like not clear to me um other than like thematic connections like this trilogy he's part of that movement i'm trying to remember it's like the new german school what is that called i think you would know that yeah i would not know that is the wrong thing (laughs) um Hold on, I'm looking it up right now. Because I have no memory left. <laughs> the Berlin School, that's what I'm thinking of. New German School is a mm-hmm. totally different thing. Um, yeah, so I think, so Berlin School is kind of associated with um, realism and like political cinema, which I think I think he does, but in kind of a literary way, in the way that we're kind of talking about where it's sort of, mm-hmm. it's not as explicit really as, um, as others might be in this, in this movement. Um, but I do think he has sort of a, maybe preoccupation might not be the right word, but I do think he's interested in understanding like the German psyche and like things that have happened in, in Germany and like the way, obviously with the trilogy where he's thinking about oppressive systems, like what does it mean to be, in East Germany and move over to the West, or what does it mean to be stuck in East Germany and want to leave? What does it mean mm-hmm. to be living under a fascist government and like trying to live your life, um, so, or to have emerged from the Holocaust and try to resume life? Um, so all of his films kind of touch at these things without feeling, I think, too overtly um, on the nose. You kind of right. have to like read into it and understand like this is about the 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 lives of these individuals. It's not necessarily like, yeah, I'm making a biopic of Angela Merkel now. <laughs> like that's not what it is at all. Um, yeah. He's a humanist. I mean, he's mm-hmm. so yeah. one of the most empathetic filmmakers working today, in my opinion. I'm like an insanely empathetic person um, too much at times. And I think that's also why these movies fucking destroy me. Um, not just because of the execution, but also just how fucking emotionally intense they are. Um, and that's not just via the situation because these are very intense situations, but also how much he cares about people. Yeah. Like he's not like a naive optimist or whatever. He doesn't like just purely believe in the beauty of humanity, but he just like that idea of pain and how that actually looks like rather than it just being a concept, the actual face of pain and tragedy. I mean, it's fucking oh it's like killer not to be at risk of sounding corny he believes in love <laughs> and he said he believes yeah. in love surviving like times of political turmoil obviously and it's like this idea that you need to like then survive such pain and um confusing 
moments and moments of of discover of self-discovery to then yeah to then have this connection survive and that's super interesting yeah absolutely i think he can do more like he can get more emotion out of like two actors in a room than most people can do with like a giant cast and like every resource in the world i don't know how Mm -hmm. to explain it but i think like you know you think about the kind of movies that do really well at award shows and things like that where it's like these big like sweeping war dramas like we talked about all quiet on the resting front like obviously like there's emotions at at stake and like things are big and you're being told or you're being directed about your emotions in a very explicit way and he like can do more than i think those films achieve Mm -hmm. um just simply by being that kind of like very empathetic humanist Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it is interesting because it's like yeah like he's coming from this german movement of um a technique of filmmaking um and and yeah like it's it's trying to make this achievement and and realize um and as clay mentioned like it is like a a body of work where it is realism trying to combine itself into melodrama and he somehow makes the two work because i think the two are bound to um find the two modes of storytelling are bound to um find each other but he just embraces that um and 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 especially with uh each performance it 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 rings true and and just like the the film itself um yeah yeah i'm interested in thinking about him as also like part of the line of german directors where like, I don't think the connection is necessarily obvious because he doesn't make this kind of film really, but like, I, w- I like to think about him as um, related in some way to Douglas Sirk, <laughs> which sounds kind of crazy, yeah. but I just think there's like a concern for these like individual, almost domestic stories that sort of like are couched within larger issues that Douglas Sirk kind of mastered in a way. Um, and also kind of that, obviously that um, melodramatic aspect, obviously Sirk like dials that up to a hundred, but he often like mm-hmm. filters that those stories like through the lives of, of women. And obviously um, Petzold is a collaborator of, with many women and puts them at the forefront of many of his films. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's interesting to me that maybe there's like some kind of connection and, and also like you can unpack <laughs> yeah and like you mentioned uh petzl is so interested in the way uh um in oppressive times men can can be oppressive to to women and their relationships no matter the the dynamic just like Cirque was mm-hmm. um maybe not explicitly political more of like a social um filmmaker but it's but more just but also like around that time that that discussing those ideas obviously was so um so much more radical than uh than now and uh mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's it, it and um you know i i i uh heard petzl talk about it in in an interview that he was he made like a cinema club <laughs> with um yeah himself paulo yeah. and uh um friends Rakowski it's like that's so cool like imagine being being in that like that must the feeling must must be really cool 
He mentioned um, a couple. I know he mentioned a couple that were actually that he asked them to watch, and I don't remember what they were, but I remember being like, "Oh hell yeah!" Like you're yeah, on it. <laughs> like like oh, one was breathless. Was. Yeah. Um, another was frantic. oh yeah, makes sense. Um, do you, if you know Fran- um, frantic, I know was like big inspiration for the Marie character. Speaking of cinema and movies that um, Christian Petzl loved, Clay, I think. I heard something that taps into another, like, on a molecular level, why you love him. There was, there was, he uh, it was from like this movie was being screened at Film at Lincoln Center, and one one person brought up the idea of like, okay, so you know, someone this was like around the time is like that screening, and he was made to he was asked to make a list about like what are your favorite films of like the the past few years. Um, and he, and he was like, oh, oh you know, yeah. um, okay, yeah, you know where yeah. I'm going with this. And then yeah. it's like, uh, I think it was like Oslo, August 31st, like tr- uh, like melancholia, like like filmmakery sort of picks. And then one of the picks was Den of Thieves. <laughs> and one of the audience members goes, can you elaborate on why you wouldn't include <laughs> Den of Thieves? And like next to like Joachim Trier and Joachim <laughs> Trier and um. <laughs> um wow it was, it was very funny just just the way he was, where his like, answer his answer is so, very flippant too yes because yeah, yeah. he's just kind of like i don't know i had fun watching it and yeah, it was no, the last it, thing i watched it was so. like a rule there yeah. we go i bet he loves <laughs> yeah. dread that's i bet it. he's a big dread guy oh you would get along if that's the case i um, need to find him and like what do you think of 2012's alex garland's dread what is what are your thoughts on that film no i it, like I, like his answer like as he says it's so funny because he was like i just love the way that gerald smokes and it's like what? <laughs> so funny um yeah hi um you, I'm sorry to not ask about transit, but you recently were asked to give a list of some of your favorite films I, from the past few years. I knew this years. was coming. Yes, and uh, you picked a really wonderful movie amidst things like Zama and Oslo, August 31st, called Den of Thieves. And I was just wondering uh, if you could talk about your admiration for that film. How many times have you been asked this today? <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is very, very funny because when, when I have to make this list, you know, everybody who has to make a list, for me, when someone said, make a list of the best 10 soccer players ever or something like that, it destroys my whole week because I'm thinking and thinking and thinking. And, and, and so it's for nerds, it's, uh, it's, it's like suicide yeah, to make lists. And, uh, and so I said, I want to uh, write down 10 movies which are directly in my head. Yeah? And this one, this movie, yeah? uh, everybody's talking about all the interviews today. Start with this question, what... Yeah? This movie is great. It's not a joke. Yeah? It, it, it's, uh, it's one of the best movies I saw in the last years. And it's something to do that we have more festivals than cinemas in the world. That we have more movies with a subject. Yeah? For example, the lemon tree between Gaza and Israel. Yeah? And there is a girl, Arabian girl and an Israel boy and they loved each other and the lemon tree and uh, something like that. Yeah? And all these subject movies I hate so much, yeah? they, because it, they are made for festivals. And I have this son, I have talked too much uh, this evening, he hates that, he hates that, um, and said to me once, uh, let's go to the cinema, just a cheap cinema with a parking lot directly here, Treptower Park, it's not far away from our apartment or flat, 
and we go there with our bicycles inside the cinema and have a look what what is ten there were ten uh, 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 hall screening screening. screening rooms, and I said this uh, uh, criminal squad was a German title criminal squad, yeah? and I said uh, Butler uh, okay I heard about that let's go inside two and two hours and twenty minutes, yeah? and this was a real a real movie with people who have skill, who can work, who have tattoos, and real tattoos, who can smoke, yeah? who, have, who can really smoke, and not, not artists smoking, yeah? really they're <laughs> smokers, yeah? they can shoot, yeah? and they have a plan, and they, they have a, and it was a really a heist, 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 heist movie, yeah? which, I, which I think it's, it's movie making. Yeah? They don't want to, to, uh, to have a lemon tree in Gaza, they want to have money. Yeah? <laughs> and, this, uh, and, and, and you can see that the movie itself has skill, because uh, um, to make a movie had something to do with rubber rub bank. Yeah? To have a, you have to create a team, you have to be find people who are loyal yeah so and this is you can feel and see in that movie you can see also the working class who is going down and the production in industrial production work which is disappeared yeah but you can find the ruins of a fantastic industrial production worker class you can find in this movie yeah? and uh, so I was there and I said to all my nerd friends in Berlin from the Berlin School, yeah, this is a great movie, they start laughing, they came back from in the next evening and the thumbs are up, two thumbs. Yeah? Yeah. And for me it's really a good movie. But everybody who see that list is talking about uh, Joachim Trier movie or the Lars von Trier movie, but this one they don't believe. But I can say this is a great movie. We're not showing Den of Thieves, but we're showing a few fil other films that you picked, which are great, including <laughs> things like He Ran All the Way and Some Came Running. And He's someone who I'm like, whatever. Anything you want to yeah. do, I'm sold. There's no, yeah. there's no hesitancy. There's no, oh, if it's the right material. It's, I have implicit trust in anything you ever want to do for the rest of your life. You're going to have to make one of the worst movies in the world for me to be like, <laughs> I don't know, Christian. His constant collaboration with like the same actors, I guess this is maybe a little more recent or has this always been his MO? When it's um, like he's bringing I mean, back a lot of the same people. I know he's been working with Nina Haas since like, I don't know, 2005 at least. Right. Um, and mm. then... I was Franz Rogowski over the past, I guess now Franz five years. I believe and Paolo Beer is going to be in the new one this year. Yeah. Which um, is three straight movies of her having either lead or supporting, um, which is fucking baller. Um, but I love his experimentation with each performer and what roles he puts them in. Um, because it's like... I mean, the next movie, Undine, is like a love story between fucking Franz and um, uh, what's her name again? I'm so sorry. Paula Bear. Paula Bear. Yeah, I, I was going to try to say it and then I was going to butcher it. Um, <laughs> but it's like, that's that's like the same exact, I mean, not same exact, but as in the idea of, I don't know. I don't know if you typically see like the same on on screen romance happening twice, like two, like two consecutive times in a person's filmography mm. yeah interesting mm -hmm. he does give um nina haas a few different dudes 
right. to, um, <laughs> to hang out with. So I don't know. But also mm-hmm. if I were working with um, Franz Rogowski, I'd probably just be like, yeah, I'll, I'll do any, like you have to be in it. Unfortunately, I will force you to be in this. <laughs> what's this? Um, what's this you're amazing. It's what's the Irish Sax movie, movie called Passages. Um, yeah right and he's and he's getting a lot of buzz from that right yes it sounds very interesting uh he co-stars with Adele Exarchopoulos and Ben Wishaw um and a love triangle forming between the three of them Franz and Ben Wishaw is not a triangle I thought was possible but yeah (laughs) and Um, padding Paddington and him okay yes um apparently Adele Exarchopoulos is sort of like caught in the middle between the two it's yeah, a, a few a friends of ours be really bright for the movie. Excited to yeah. see. Yeah, I heard I heard really good things about it from Sundance. Mm. So. And he doesn't do much like English language work, which would be interesting. Mm-mm. But he's another one. It's just similar to Christian. I'm like, yeah, I'll watch literally anything that you do. It's a blank check. So you fucking yeah, for sure. How many zeros do you want to write? I'll to yeah. get <laughs> write as many as zeros yeah. as you want. I'll fucking exactly. cash it. I'm so excited. Like, I, I think that's also the thing with the, like, you know, the back-to-back with um, Transit and DNA is like, these two actors are so exciting. Because um, one, I mean, they're young. Um, and because that just shows like how much fucking potential, even though they've already reached a crazy apex in their talents. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, both performers give insanely good performances in both movies. Um, and like it's hard to imagine they have anywhere else to go but they do and they're going to continue to work and they're going to continue to improve their craft um so that's also a thing with petzl that's just, it's always so exciting for me to think about is plus you know the actors he works with but also like he what, what is he like 60 50 40 i have no idea uh um, i can find that out Bear but with. it's like he still has and, and not to be all not to focus so much on age or whatever but I don't know when I think about like, I'm, I'm just so glad I'm going to be able to live with him making movies for more, like for like 10 more years, mm-hmm. 20 more years. It mm-hmm. sounds, that sounds so great to me. Um, Cause it's also like that. I mean, his movies are exhausting. Uh, they're not light watches. Um, they're fucking, you know, hammers to the chest. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and it's one of those, it, it's a very interesting thing to kind of expect the moment you go into one of his movies is like okay how the fuck are you gonna annihilate me with this <laughs> it's almost like yeah. for hardy um even though you know very different filmmakers one is much more surrealist and one which is much more grounded reality but for hardy it's like when you go into one of his films you're like okay how the fuck are you gonna break me how are you gonna just like like tear my heart out um and it's a it's a real just like oh that's a powerful feeling that's a powerful mm-hmm. like skill to have Mm. to just be so like for to just to be so conscious of your ability to exact emotion from audience members um i don't know man people just like like jack said earlier he has the fucking juice he just has that skill he doesn't miss he's also um he's 62 years old but um i wonder if that's something to do with their like a non-us filmmaker where it's like they can sort of take this tragic devastating material and then translate it to being something that's much more complicated and uh 
inhuman and uh, understandable because how else would you tell that story if not to have it through the lens of someone that's trying to process it as if the audience is trying to process these characters um, going through this time of uh, transition? Because, yeah, it's it's I like you're... Oh yeah. I th- well, I think it's um, I think it's also like part of being a German. It's like there is kind of this responsibility of understanding and uh, engaging with and um, analyzing your own past in a way that, mm. like, I don't think Americans are quite as trained in doing and are very like hesitant to do in general. Um, what we're doing in our schools right now we're literally like uh let's take all these books away no 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 yeah no literally yeah like uh, there's no impulse in the american character to be like wow like we need to look at what we did and like reckon with that and understand how to move forward from it but that is like unavoidable in germany and so um yeah i think i think he is kind of part of that in a way like the way that he thinks about even in um like i know the topography of terror which is a an exhibit in um, Berlin, which kind of details a lot of the things that happened in that city with respect to the Holocaust, um, appears in his movies. Like there, there are things that I think are just part of his identity in a way that we don't get to experience like firsthand, but he kind of shows them to us through mm. his films. It is interesting. Have we talked and- about the score yet? I don't the music. No, I don't believe so. No, I it's love a great that score, score though. And what a oh, needle drop at the end! Gosh. Oh, I don't know, man. That's might be the best score of that year. Uh, like, oh. I mean, you have Richter's Ad Astra, but that's almost like half complete because a lot of it is also more Dolphy. That. But that is an incredible piece of music that is so again, like, it has that like whimsy to it, which is so mm. interesting because it is like maybe the least whimsy time you could possibly have is fucking you know nazi occupied france is like maybe the least whimsical wife has ever been Um, well that's i mean that's also like so so like the magic of i was about to say the magic of the movies like the the magic of this movie where it's like it doesn't ring false and somehow it feels like it's a very light touch i think Mm -hmm. in general i the several of his movies don't have any score at all yeah um so you're kind of like i think he chooses very wisely where to drop things i guess mm-hmm. and also it's one of those things that kind of sits out of time like it's just a kind of a solo Definitely. piano for most right. of it so it works really well it is really interesting how he plays with the temporal aspect of it all mm-hmm. um i was gonna ask what was what do you guys think of his choice his you know very distinct and um intentional choice of the way he plays of time and how we in our perception of it like that's a big question in the right well i mean yeah like this is a big this is a huge choice to make you know like a modern and also like how he de- and what he decides to be modern and doesn't like there's no yeah. cell phones you still see a typewriter um but the fashion is modern um to a point it's not like crazy um you know architecture modern cars modern but like you know you know you never see any real piece of um technology uh there's no any like you know the radio is like that could be from like maybe now 
um i guess but it's still like kind of looks a little ancient like what what was your reaction to that what 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 how do you feel about that um i love it <laughs> because um it's sort of what we were talking about earlier i think there's some like easy outs that you get from like having a phone and a story that a lot of people constantly are trying to write around now like in like bodies 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 is a good example like oh we suddenly don't have service like right you know um but this like he's kind of allowed to do that now uh because he's translating it from a book that literally where they did not exist um mm -hmm. but i also think it kind of lends um a universality to to the themes of it that i think makes it more impactful if we see these same stories and characters told um in a movie that is like explicitly set in the 1940s then we can think of it as like being a relic from the past as opposed to something like that consistently happens all the time around the world mm -hmm. uh, it's something mm -hmm. that is still happening and something that could mm -hmm. still happen in a big way in europe um like you know, if things go wrong, um, even more wrong, I should say, um, the takeaway of the oppressive system should be the forefront of the film. And if you strip away kind of the, the, um, time of the 1940s that you kind of see it as a more conceivable thing that could happen today, which I think is important to remember for everyone. Um, and I think probably more in line with what he wants to say with that film as opposed to just like weren't the 40s bad <laughs> which is right kind of how it would come across i think mm -hmm. yeah it would feel reductive either way if um if, if there were other choices made with the adaptation or if there was like technology included um because there is this distinction that you have to make if you're going to make it feel like a modern like it would almost feel like a remake if that's the case of something yeah. that hadn't existed before if you're just right. um I think going to be also... yeah yeah so it this way i think he was a little allergic to to doing two like doing this right after phoenix yeah mm. yeah that makes sense it that has to be kind of yeah kind of exhausting because it's just there's so much that goes into that um mm -hmm. monetary and effort wise um but I think the most important choice to me with it, his, you know, the way he plays with time and the temporal aspect of this movie is how he depicts the occupying force is they are in police gear and clothing. Mm -hmm. They're never in fatigues. There's not like camouflage or like, oh, I didn't even think know, about that. Army helmets. Uh, they do not have any identifying national features. They could be German. They could be French. Um, they have no flag on them. Uh, I don't. I'm, I don't remember if like their vests say actually police or not. It is a police state. He does yeah. not depict the occupying force like a invading army. Yeah. He and and it's such a because it's a crazy choice in the sense of you're still depicting in a way Nazi or not Nazi or Nazi occupied France um which was like police the police was not the occupying force um but that it's but that's such a that's a gigantic choice um and i respect the fuck out of it because it also adds that idea of modern connection to it is like what would be an oppressive 
regime now, how would that look like? Would it be an invading place or would it be your own government? Would it be your own police force? Would it be your yeah. own like state? Um, um, would it be you know, the con- your own country in a way? Yeah, because so much of fascism is like the call is coming from inside the house. You know what I mean? (laughs) So it's sort of like, it's a good way to kind of, and like all these police people or policemen like look the same in all these countries, except for like who has guns and who doesn't. Um, Right. But yeah, it it truly is just like, yeah, anyone, like anyone in Western Europe or the United States could look at those figures and be like, that Mm -hmm. looks like someone I've seen on our street. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just this like really smart combo of um, like a formally classic filmmaker. Like I, I, like a lot of people will cite Hitchcock and like, you know, he's very well, well spoken and like well read and, and stuff like people will cite Hitchcock and Cirque with influences on, on Christian Pistols' work, but also like this, like the combo of that with the, um, like the modernizations of, of all these things. So it's like, it's super interesting and it makes this, creates this new dynamic where it's like, there, it's never really, it's kind of like unexplored territory. And it's Wait, another thing he plays with when it comes to the temporal aspect is like the terminology he uses to describe um, Dries's mother, you know, they say deaf and dumb. Melissa. Melissa? That's super, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, that's super, like, that's very much like out of fashion like that's not a that's not the correct thing to say in any kind of yeah. aspect um but like he ke- he'll keep that in it's i don't know man like those are those moments where i just like he's making all these very intentional choices that i'm just so fascinated by that i'm not super like i haven't just like dissected all of it but it is those moments that make me just so impressed with how calculated this all is and yeah those that was also a big takeaway um i also find that the relationship between Jorg, i think is and dries is like fucking heartbreaking and also you would i forgot how much of the movie it is that's like the first Mm -hmm. half almost Mm -hmm. um and like and how it just kind of dissipates and how heartbreaking that is um yeah i forgot how long it takes Paolo beer to to first appear in the movie and it's like it's it's not so much like from the opening scenes as i suspected because it's like yeah it kind of leaves you or at least at least for for me i left it left um some sort of like anticipation for his life to to be altered and and then he has like a sense of purpose again Georg like supposed to be Jewish was because like they I was really fascinated with what his role in all of this was because obviously he's German and they people keep referring to him as a German and they ask him if he's like a German occupying like um, like part of the German occupying force um and that he's definitely trying to evade and leave and is scared for his life and is like feels like so i i'm curious what your guys's thoughts were on his role in, the, in that and what he was what and maybe not let's say what like what's the answer to the like you know to explain exactly what his point is but what was your takeaway from that idea of there's not an explicit reason why he's fleeing hmm. um i think it well it's, i think it's intentionally left pretty vague 
right. which I think is also an interesting choice. I mean, so one of the things that I noticed rewatching it for this was like, they only use the word Jewish once, then they use the word fascist once. So you're right. meant to do a lot of reading in between the lines. What fascinated me though, is I had also come off of watching um, Casablanca for mm. a different podcast. What's that one? <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> haven't heard of it. I don't, um, I don't know it's like a little indie movie yeah um but i think like the reason it was interesting i mean they're very actually similar yeah Um, yeah 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 yeah. but i think what fascinates me and i think people forget often about casablanca is how vague it also is Mm -hmm. like there are all of these political refugees who are coming through but we don't we know they're political refugees, but what does that mean? Like, why were you in a concentration camp? Are you Jewish? Are you uh, just a leftist? Like what, why, what's going on? Like what's going on with these characters? We don't know. And there's that moment of communist, like, are you a communist because you wrote for this publication and you're going to Mexico? Yeah. That's all super interesting. So, but like in Casablanca, the reason that it was um, vague is because they weren't allowed. Like you would just not be allowed to be like, well, yeah, this is about Judaism and we're trying to make like a film about anti-Semitism, um, which like obviously um, to do that now, I think like would have been bold in its own right, because I feel like that doesn't really happen enough. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it was interesting that it kind of like accidentally made this same choice as Casablanca, but kind of in more of a intentionally vague way, as opposed to like pure um censorship <laughs> um of identity that american film has mm. yeah and it lends itself to sticking its that's one way for it to be so modern and a refreshing take on this um on this text and i think i re- i think i realized or I mean, re- I remembered on this viewing, realized on my last viewing that it's like, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's the focus of why Yorg is fleeing, but rather it could mean several different things. And just that because there is this oppressive fascist state, it's, it's, it's a, it's a time of transition. And it's like, then you can read your own subtext into that um and i like that level of um audience participation mm-hmm. yeah but it and, and it never feels like it's um censoring itself to to mean one thing when in fact it's like leading on the audience it's just sort of yeah it's it's just kind of like bold in that way it's great um let's get to favorite scene um uh, do does anyone have something that immediately comes to mind? Or... I think the ending. Um, mm. kind of I have to say he's... that. Yeah. Oh. oh, sorry, I snatched it. Oh, uh, <laughs> take it. Take it. It's yours. Um, yeah, where he's just kind of waiting in the cafe, and the invasion is happening all around him, and he's just kind of holding on to a hope that, um. Paula Bear will appear, mm-hmm. and as we all as we all hope, we all hope, but we don't we don't have much In hope. Life. But we but mm-hmm. we try, or we want to mm-hmm. be there for him, I guess, because we're really feeling for him. And mm-hmm. 
that last shot where he kind of turns around and smiles a little bit. And you're like, not sure. I mean, maybe she did appear. Maybe she didn't. Maybe Drius appeared. Maybe, you know, you never know what could have happened, but I like that it ends on that kind of mysterious, but slightly positive note. Like maybe something actually happened for him in a good way um, that hadn't happened to him throughout the film. So yeah, that's my, I think that's my favorite. Hmm. It's like you would think that there wouldn't be as haunting of an ending to follow up Phoenix, but yes. <laughs> yeah. Although I think sl- slightly less depressing than the ending of Phoenix. Yeah. Slightly <laughs> less like, right. I want to die emotionally. Yeah. Um. yeah. Less like, fuck that guy. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I will say um, the moment that really hit me this time when he is trying to explain to Dries why he has to leave and that fucking devastation he has when he pushes him away. Mm-hmm. The narration is so on point because it's just at, it's really just illustrating his intentions and what he wants to do. And the thing with those kind of narrations, you expect that like as it goes along that it's like oh we'll see him actually explain it but then but there's this sudden like carpet being or this rug being ripped out from under you when he's like fuck you Mm -hmm. you're leaving me um and to connect it to that it's also the scene with him and richard and like at the restaurant he's like you're abandoning him He's like, dude, what the fuck? Yeah, when um, Richard tries like, to pull that shit, I was just like, what the hell, dude? <laughs> yeah. But he's right. You're acting he's out. right. You're acting out. I mean, yeah. He's. I mean, the thing is, though, it's like you accuse him of like, you want me to fucking, you want me to bless your moral, you know, your 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 uh, moral quandary. You want me to make you feel comfortable with making this decision. Yeah. And he gives him shit for it. And he's like, well, fuck you. You're abandoning a kid that you love. And they're both right. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And that ambiguity and that moral sense of like, fuck, man. I mean, mm. everyone's fucked. And I mean, what I mean, what's so beautiful about this sort of like of these moral, moral, morality, like parables is like two people can be right at the same time. And yet it doesn't make the uh, the situation less digestible um it's just a bad situation it's just a yeah nobody's gonna win there's a roadblock um i uh, yeah for me um the uh the in the character introduction for um marie so Mm. i i I, there's a bit of i wish i remember i i saw less recent than you guys um i wish i remembered the narration but there's like a really well-written piece of narration in that scene and it's just like describing her presence and and like the moment that york observes her and um yeah shoot i i I wish i remember but that that really stuck with me that it's it it, i mean you know izzy you you would know better but it's like you know it frames her like an old hollywood actress where it's like you know it kind of has like the camera she does have a classic look she does not look modern yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, both I, of them are fucking gorgeous. Like yeah. fucking drop dead, absolutely hot, 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 oh, hot. Like hot, they're so. Hot, both hot, of them hot. are so beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think um, that montage of her kind of accidentally thinking it's her her husband is really 
um yeah that's effective really too another light touch but also like devastating yeah in its and own it's a little way right it's like exactly where it's placed is perfect because you like mm-hmm. it's not a different shot each time it's like literally we've already seen this shot and he's mm-hmm. just using it again and it's perfect it's so it's good so good yeah it, it reminds yeah. me of um you know it's it's funny that you know just yesterday we um we we talked about sarah polly's take this waltz and there and there's a you know if for those that don't know there's this great moment that's similar to that when um seth rogan receives some bad news and sarah polly continues to cut to his different reactions of him receiving the bad news and and it's oh, and man, that's I really pick that for my favorite scene yesterday. It's so, I know, right? It's so fucking. I, I was thinking about that too, and um, we didn't uh, we didn't honestly mention that enough. Where it's just like this, this, this. It's so well directed, and and like that's that's what, yeah, that's a beautiful moment where it's like you can you like using montage um, effectively, and um, yeah, I don't know, guys. King Pet sold only cast hotties. Being pretzel. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Being pretzel. I um if we ever do merch, we want like a picture of him with like a crown on. And I know. I was like looking enough. for merch low-key the other day. <laughs> I was like, all these companies that do like those little hats and stuff. I was like, yeah. yeah. I just want to stand him at all times. So. Seriously. It's like we've we've seen like the David Lynch and the Martin Marty Scorsese. Yeah. Like, okay, we're done. Let's but branch like, out. We, let's branch. Yeah, if people saw a picture of him, no one would recognize him. I'm oh, not yeah. even sure I would recognize him. I posted I a picture him. of him the other day and everyone was like, who is this? And I was like, you guys <laughs> <laughs> don't you my know favorite German, my favorite modern German director. Yeah. <laughs> come on. Yeah, come yeah. Does anyone know what the film uh jericho like have you not seen- <laughs> right. hello 2006 hello. is yella <laughs> come on yeah. where are my nina haas heads at yeah i know haas, i was hoping haas, i was haas. hoping that tar would turn a lot of people i was nina just haas. gonna say yeah yeah and i think like, it you- did so yeah mission accomplished she might be the best performance yeah. in that movie so mm, ooh, hot take, ooh, hot hot take. take. Oh, yeah sorry guys just got burnt i'm pretty sure i've seen another person have that take as well but she's yeah she's pretty incredible yeah she's really phenomenal in that you can see her being like a sixth or seventh for supporting like she was like on the outside looking in um Mm -hmm. izzy thank you so much for being here this has been an absolute pleasure and delight my pleasure Um, no i mean it's not hard to get me to talk about christian petzl so (laughs) i know we this is like bait for (laughs) for you to like um you know just hearing you talk about in film is always uh so like educational and and like informative so it's it yeah um love Thank your you. work uh work yeah where can everybody find you and like if you have anything you're work, I, I guess <laughs> i was gonna ask like what you're working on but i guess you know cats out of the bag yeah yeah um i <laughs> no thank you those that, that was really nice um you can find me on youtube at be kind rewind um which is just like youtube.com slash bk rewind i think and then um crazy you were able to get that i uh, like yeah like, well, i got that's, bk like, that's yeah oh okay bk rewind instead of well for the url but yeah um and then um i'm bk rewind on twitter and bk underscore rewind on instagram Mm. and i'm working on a video about um all quiet on the western front which might i don't know when this is coming out but it might be this is coming out in one month 
Okay. Yeah. So it'll be out. So hopefully you have already watched it. And if you haven't, I'm guilt tripping you <laughs> into watching it. Um, yeah. Hopefully we're peer pressuring you. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think this is coming out after the Oscars. Oh, wow. I believe. Uh, any bold? Oh, no. Like, no. I don't no, think no. I have any bold takes. That's it. Okay. No. Yeah. I just yeah. thought I'd no takes. Throw out there. No takes. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. So Gourney Weaver comes in like John Cena at a wrestling match and wins the best supporting for Avatar. That's my take. There you go. Not nominated. Just not, here. I know, but that's what I mean. Not, that's like out of nowhere, she just storms in, grabs okay. it, and was just like, fucking, this is mine, and walks out like a G. That's my <laughs> take. That's what I think is gonna happen. <laughs> um you should have been nominated. Should have been nominated. It is funny that like Way of Water is like not. A front runner considering like what the first one did when that was doing its thing um maybe they're waiting for the next one to no i mm. uh, yeah i can be found on twitter at jack draper jack a draper um i'm on letterbox at jack draper seven and this movie is of and i have writing on film at the boston hustle uh this movie is available to stream at many places like movie canopy amazon prime widely available i, I believe most of christian Petzold's movies are widely available um uh next episode we have personal shopper another Ooh. great film from the latter half of the decade with brandon Struess thing nice um, kristen stewart is just you know and it had a glorious run this decade as we talked about many times and this one is just another example of it it's a fantastic movie i'm excited to give another look we might need to get a spray bottle for brandon when it comes to stewart might just have to be like oh calm down calm down calm down (laughs) in a good way or a bad way (laughs) oh good way good way good way okay good oh yeah i was gonna say (laughs) no brandon never know with her i feel like people are very divided on her yeah right right well, it, it's it is funny to to think about like the case oh that's what you di- meant okay All right. to, like the case two division like in twenty twenty three like guys like it's like what, what year are we in and we're still like yeah I'm like please get over the Twilight thing. right exactly and also yeah. people do this with Robert Pattinson still too like I had a, yeah. a close friend of mine was like oh yeah I like the Twilight guy and I was like honestly get oh. over it <laughs> like yeah. you need to He's watch Batman. He's Batman. Come on. Listen, what does he have to do? He's actually fucking Batman. He's like That's so a, crazy to me. A little Claire Denis freak. And I think we need to accept yeah. that in a good way. You know what I mean? No, he's literally, he's going to freak it in the new Bong Joon-ho and people are going to be like, oh, what, Edward and from Twilight? Like it's <laughs> He's crazy. on an insane run. One of the better runs of any actor current, like yeah. in like currently. I mean, yeah. just the people he's working with at least. Um, yeah. Well, so was I'm a Chris tenant defender, Kristen so. Ray, and it's right, and it's just, yeah, we'll get into it, and it's yeah, but it's, I just you know, I, it's probably like my you know one of her best performances in the in the decade, along with uh, Sils Maria, but yeah, for sure, yeah. agreed. Um, I also by loved the way, her in Crimes of the Future, loved it. Yeah, I have not. I mean, I'm a huge. It's crazy you haven't seen that. Haven't seen it's it. crazy. I don't know, man. Yeah. I, no, no, no. I don't mean to, you know. But it's no, like, no, I know, I know, I know. No, you're right. You're right. You're speaking right. of you're overlooked right scores, speaking of <gasps> overlooked mm, scores, I've heard so, that. Yeah, yeah. so food. Who, who did it again? Howard, Howard Short. Howard? Or no, no, no. Oh, you're right. It yeah, was Howard Short. Howard Short. I don't know why I just said that. 
no it's okay no he, he scores all of his movies you know so yeah Howard that's Schiller. my cheat for remembering he um he freaked it for real it's yeah. so good how we sure rules yeah oh by the way the accident man hitman's holiday is actually on hoopla i know that we mentioned that at the very beginning but you were correct jackie it's actually on hoopla funny enough um that circle Perfect. Uh, everyone can follow me at Birds of Clay on Twitter. That's a win. On- That's a win for us. Hoopla. You got a W. Um, everyone can follow me on Instagram at Mr. Clay Williams. Follow the podcast Twitter account at ECT Pod. Please remember to send us an email at xfinity2010s at gmail.com. You can send us a review um, on any podcast platform you listen to us on to. Give us five stars. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, go out on the street, in the streets of France, uh, in the streets on those of Berlin, cobblestones. Yes. <laughs> If you're waiting um, for a lo- long last love in a cafe, you find maybe uh, to the melted, you can recommend us. Right? right. Find a melted chocolate sundae, throw it in someone's face and say, hey, go listen to Exiting Through the 2010s and then run away um, before the oppressive forces uh, grab you. Um, thank you all so much for listening. Be good to yourselves. Stay safe. And we'll catch you next time on Exiting Through the 2010s.